Do you know how to please the people in your life? Have you ever had a conversation with them? Have you ever sat down with your parents and had a conversation? How do I please you? Have you ever had a conversation with siblings, with um, people who really matter in your life? Or have they ever sat you down and say, said to you, here's how you please me? Uh, have they ever said, there's no way you can ever please me if you don't do this or that? Strangely, it's a conversation we seldom have. You're probably sitting together with some family members as you watch this. Uh, some of you will be thinking about people whom you love as you listen to this. Uh, maybe you should take some moments and talk to one another about what's required to please each other. Do you know how to please God? God is very direct and very open about what He requires of us and how He would have us please Him. And to understand deeply what God requires of us, to understand how to please Him is a beautiful thing. We're going to listen to some words of Scripture read from Hebrews chapter 11. 11. Listen for a phrase as these words are read that reminds us what, what is so necessary in pleasing God and how it would be impossible for us to please Him if we don't obey this simple idea. The reading today is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 19. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel bought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. By faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, 
was enabled to bear children because she had she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things should, so, should show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. What a wonderful chapter that narrates the stories of some of God's best friends, people who understood how to please God. And did you hear the phrase? It is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is exactly what our hearts need. Faith is exactly what human beings need to thrive. And if we can understand faith, if we can live by faith, our lives will please God, our lives will please the people around us, our lives will experience breakthrough and blessing in abundant measure. Our lives will be kingdom lives. Let's talk a bit about faith. What does it mean to live by faith? How can I strengthen that commitment and that resolve? How can I live more consistently by faith? Faith is the incredible mixture, the powerful, potent mixture of your yes to God and God's yes to you. When those two things collide, the consequences are enormous. Barriers are broken down. Blessings are unlocked. Miracles occur. Your yes alloyed together with God's yes to you. This is what we see in this chapter of Scripture, and we've just read a few of the stories. The chapter continues for many, many more verses as the author of Hebrews reviews many of God's friends and the stories of their lives, and we see them saying yes to God and God responding yes to them. Faith is this, is this experience of a human choice that is, that is melded with divine grace and incredible consequences ensue. Christians experience this repeatedly in our journey. We start to lean toward God. We make a choice to, to respond to something that we see of his truth, of his wisdom. And then suddenly we feel the winds of God's spirit, the gentle push of his love, and we're floating in his hope 
and in his promise. Faith is where my decisions and God's incredible uh, compassion for me come together. You see it in the life of Abel, who said yes to God while his brother Cain was wrestling and struggling and repeatedly said no to God. And Cain's no ended in a murder of his brother while Abel's yes to God met met God's compassionate yes to Abel. And the text says that his life still preaches of God's goodness and God's grace. You see a similar thing in the life of Enoch, who walked with God faithfully. It says that Enoch didn't die a life uh, at the end of his life like, like, like most people do. He was whisked away into the presence of God. Uh, he would say yes to God so consistently in his life that God's compassionate yes to him Uh, colored the whole of his living and resulted in a miracle at the end of his days. Noah's yes to God resulted in uh, this, this, this salvation for his family and this moment of recreation in God's world and a story of God's love and a rainbow of God's promise to all creation. And then we come to Abraham and Sarah. And they're incredible stories. They were people who said yes to God. And because they said yes to God, they were positioned so that they could receive God's yes to them, God's compassion toward them. And the consequences were incredible. All the way through the New Testament, we are encouraged to be people of faith. We are encouraged to be people who live our lives with an attitude of yes toward God and experience incredible consequences changes in our own souls, changes in the relationships around us, uh, miracles and consequences that draw the whole of creation toward God's purposes and plans. Let's talk for just a few moments about how to say yes to God and to keep posturing our lives with a yes toward God. Four things. First, make God your hinge. Make God the anchor point of your thinking, of your reflecting, of your discerning as a human person. M make God your first choice in the sequence of choices as a human being. Wittgenstein, the celebrated philosopher of the 20th century, made the observation that if a human being doubts everything at the same time, if a human being calls into question all things, it's impossible to proceed thoughtfully. It's impossible to remain sane. If you doubt everything at the same time, you end up in an impossible quagmire. You need to anchor something. You need to fix something. And just like a door, if you don't fix the hinges somewhere, you cannot open and close the door. If, if, if there is no anchor point for your thinking, for your commitments as a human person, then, then you can't actually proceed. And so we all end up anchoring our thoughts somewhere. We all end up with some point of reference and we start from that point and go forward. And to please God, we need to make him the hinge of our thinking, to make him the anchor point. And that's where Hebrews chapter 11 begins with this recognition that we see and understand God to be the creator of the universe. It is an assumption with which we start. It is a point from which we depart in all of our thinking. Make God the hinge of your reflecting. And then, second, put all your assets on the table right from the start. 
The life that we are called to is a life that says yes to God again and again and again. It is a life that we we respond to, to his calling and we respond to the opportunities of his presence. And as a consequence, so many wonderful things follow. And so when God invites us to step into this way of living, the thing that can open up so much possibility is you, you start by making God your hinge and then putting all your assets on the table. J Jesus said this in terms of, of um, denying yourself. Uh, for Abraham, it was a literal thing. God called him and said, Abraham, I want you to pack up. I want you to corral your animals. I want you to kiss your family goodbye. And you're going to take a journey with me. And I am leading you to a land of incredible promise. I will lead you through all kinds of life-shaping experiences. I will be with you and you will know blessing abundant, so much so that it will overflow to your family and through your family to the nations and to all of creation. This incredible invitation, which begins with putting all your assets on the table. If God is the creator of the universe, the first big yes to him is, Lord, here is my life. Here is, here is who I am and what I am, uh, what, what I could possibly be, what I am called to be. I put it into your hands. And with, with that incredible affirmation begins an incredible journey. I wonder if you've done that. I wonder if you've taken that posture, renewed that posture in your life recently where you actually come to a God who you understand to be the creator of the universe and you say, Lord, here's all my assets. They're on the table. They are in your hands. I say yes to, to all that I possess being in your charge. And so Abraham was able with that posture, with that mentality to say yes to God in this call to travel on an incredible adventure. He didn't actually know where he was going. God said, pack up and come with me. He knew the end point in terms of its promise and its victory and its hope, but so much along the way, he would have to trust. And because he was postured to keep saying yes to God and then to hear God's yes to him, that incredible mixture became a constant source of blessing and wonder in his life and around him. Faith is the simple business of saying yes to God, experiencing God's yes to me, and then living in all the consequent and wonder of what that means. It is, it is enormous. And it often brings healing to people's lives. Faith results in, in renewal of vocation, in clarity, in the, in the midst of confusion for the sake of guidance. Faith often leads people to experiencing deep and profound faith, uh, deep and profound peace, I'm sorry, in the midst of this choice of, of faith. But it requires bringing all your assets, putting, on, putting them on the table and, and, and saying, God, yes to all of this. There was a woman in the Bible, in the New Testament, who had uh, a terrible uh, concern in her own life, a terrible pain, a terrible illness in that she was constantly bleeding. And this meant that she was unclean in terms of her religious devotion. It meant that she was socially unacceptable and couldn't be welcomed into uh, circles with friends. It meant that she was outcast. She decided that she would try to touch the garment of Jesus. She decided that she would, she would make Jesus her hinge 
and that she would put everything on the table in trusting him, her, her reputation, what was left of it, her, her, her standing in the community, what was left of it. And she went and made it her mission to try and touch him in a physical action to say, this is my hope, this is my only promise, yes to Jesus. And as she touched his garment, Jesus said yes to her and healing flowed into her life and everything changed for that woman. Jesus said to her that her faith had healed her. This posture of readiness to say yes to God and put it all on the line and lean in. And faith isn't just us stirring up an emotional desire to love God. It's, it's, it's an obedience that is met with God's yes to us that, that just causes that moment of faith to become explosive, to become wondrous, to become life-changing in so many significant and dramatic ways. Here's the third thing. To foster a life of yes to God, you need to make God your hinge. Uh, you need to put all your assets on the table right from the start. And you need to do, you need to do a, a deep search of God's faithfulness. You need to explore, is God, what happens when people say yes to God? Is, is God faithful? Is his yes back to me a consistent thing? Can I trust this? And as you explore that discovery of the faithfulness of God, it will empower your life of faith. It will empower the yes with which you live into the vision of all that God calls you to. This was Sarah's experience, Abraham's wife. She was an old woman and Abraham came to her one day and, and said that he had heard from God that they were to have a child and this child would be a blessing to the nations. Can you imagine? Sarah's experience hearing all of this in her very senior years. Has the old man lost his common sense? But Sarah's response is a response of faith. It's a response of yes to God. And we read in the text that she considered God's promises to be faithful. She heard this, this challenge, this invitation to become the mother of a nation that she would in her senior years become pregnant. And although her physical uh, realities were such that this would be impossible, she leaned into the promise. She, much like Mary, who would give birth to Jesus, said yes to God because she considered God's promises and she considered God to be faithful. She had been watching the faithfulness of God in Abraham's life. She had been watching the faithfulness of God as they had been journeying. She had been experiencing the truth of this God and it gave her courage to exercise more faith. That's what the Bible is for. It is a record of so many stories of people saying yes to God and God saying yes back. And oh, the wonder of what occurs. And a consideration of God's faithfulness will build up your faith. It will make you more courageous. We need faith in this season. We need faith in our families. We need faith in our community. We need a posture that says yes to God and recognizes him for who he is and awaits his incredible intervention in all that is broken and wrong in our culture. Here's the fourth thing. You need to hinge your whole thinking on God. You need to put all your assets on the table and say, God, it's yours. You and I, we need to make a deep search into the faithfulness of God. These things will stir up and, and enliven our posture of faith 
and all the wonder that comes from it. And then fourth, fourthly, we need to, to consider in every challenge, what could God do? Instead of living our lives in the, uh, the conundrums that we face with, with a sense of the, the limitations and, and, and where the barriers are, if you have made God the hinge of your thinking and your living, put all your assets on the table, made a deep, deep study of his faithfulness, this empowers you in every circumstance to say, well, what could God do here? That will enliven your prayers. It will give courage to your actions. It will cause you to step out where there doesn't seem to be a path and to trust him. And that's exactly what Abraham does as the little bit of the story of his life comes to an end in Hebrews chapter 11. He had a son, the fulfillment of God's faithful promise, and clearly the pathway to a great nation. But Abraham was asked to put his son in the place of sacrifice to show his great obedience to God. And as Abraham reckoned, reckoned with that challenge and wrestled with that circumstance, what the Bible tells us is that he thought to himself about what God could do. And he reasoned, says the scripture, that God could bring him back to life. And in a, in a manner of speaking, says the author of Hebrews, that's exactly what happened. Always take with you into every challenge the consideration, what could God do here? What healing could God bring? What, what relationship healing could he bring? What physical healing could he bring? What, what uh, trouble, uh, barrier, confusion, uh, re uh, uh, releasing energy could, could he bring to the stuck points of my life? What could, what, what could God do? And as you walk with that posture, it enlivens faith and it makes all things possible to those who believe in God. I'm going to invite us to respond this morning. In the book of Galatians, Paul puts his testimony clearly in front of us, and he tells us what it means for him to live a life by faith. And his words are a wonderful calling and a wonderful model for us today. Listen to these words, and let's prepare ourselves to respond to this invitation of faith. This verse is from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I live by faith. He says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the posture of life that we're all called to. And that's, that's how we please God, to be able to say with confidence and with joy, I live by faith. I'm going to ask you to respond this morning by changing your posture. Perhaps you're in your lounge room and with your family and connecting with us today. Can I invite you to take a first step in the direction of faith? Would you communicate with your physical posture a yes to God this morning? Paul says, he says, I, I, have, I have been crucified with Christ. He said, I, I, the life I live, I live by the power of, of God in me. It's as if he's brought all the assets of his life and put them on the table. 
May God the anchor, the hinge of his life and the fixed point of all of his thinking. And having done a deep evaluation of the faithfulness of God, he just wants to live into that confidence always. And you see it in his life. You see him again and again saying yes to God. I want to invite you to say yes to God this morning. And in a practical, physical way, would you get off the couch? Uh, if you're driving and listening to this on the podcast, would you, would you pull off to the road when it's safe for you to do so? If you've got your headphones on and you're in a crowd of people, uh, can you just find a quiet place and say yes to God? This is how we please Him and expect Him to say yes to you in return. I'm just going to slip off the couch and kneel. And if you're there together with family, perhaps you can do the same. Or maybe you want to stand and lift your hands toward heaven. Or maybe you want to uh, just lie face down on, on, on the carpet and let God know that your heart is saying yes to him today. Would you join me as we pray? Loving God, we know that to please you is to say yes to you. And we know that to live by faith is to hear your yes, to feel your yes, to receive your yes in our lives and to walk in this communion with you, to walk in this way that confronts the brokenness of our world and brings change. God, we say yes to you. We kneel, we stand, we open our hearts, we respond in love to you today, O oh God. And we walk by faith. We step into your promises and we ask for blessing and victory. We ask for hope and promise in our families. We ask for breakthrough where there is, where there is confusion or challenge or something that is, is very wrong. We ask God for healing of emotions and we ask for an outpouring of your love. We ask for a revival of your church and we ask for an awakening, God, across the people uh, across, across all the people of Jesus around this world. Lord, do a new thing in us and awaken our faith. Let us be a people who walk in bold faith because faith causes our hearts to thrive and faith pleases you, God. We come to you welcoming Jesus into our hearts and speaking a bold yes to you from the depths of all that we are. Hallelujah and amen. May God bless you as you walk in your journey and may you find the courage to always live a yes to God.